My guest is Charles Barkley, and we're hanging out at the 19th hole. What else do you need to hear about the legend in basketball and broadcasting? His passion for golf is well known. You can see his swing made fun of on YouTube, but the man has worked hard to correct that hitch, and man, does he love golf. This is the first, and we hope will be a, a sub-series of episodes called The 19th Hole. I'm terrible at golf, but I do love the banter and the storytelling that goes along with a round, and especially after a round. And Charles here is going to talk about playing with Tiger and Mickelson and Jordan and many others. But this being Charles, our conversation would also veer off in all sorts of fun directions. Of course, basketball, football, fishing, hunting. TV sports, social media, and a lot more. And of course, this being Charles, he is funny, thoughtful, blunt, and so generous. You'll enjoy this. Ladies and gentlemen, Sir Charles Barkley. Well, Charles, you talk a lot about golf, and I've heard people make fun of you. I want you to know I will never make fun of your golf game because I really suck, legitimately suck, but we'll get to that in a minute. But how would you describe your relationship with the game of golf? It is probably the most important aspect of my life because, you know, Chris, it's only a few things you can do to get away and relax. I mean, because, you know, like when you go to the supermarket, people want to talk to you. When you go to the dry cleaner, People want to talk to you. When you go to the golf course, you're out there in the middle of those big old trees. You're playing with three guys who y'all are just razzing each other. And it's one of the few things in your life you can do and just get away from being in the limelight. And I never, never get tired of playing golf. Like, I got tired of playing basketball, but I never get tired of playing golf. You use – you're an example of somebody who – it's inspiring because you're not the most natural golfer. You're not the most gifted golfer. You've had your moments of frustration, but you show up, man, and everybody says you just are relentlessly optimistic. You always show up in a good mood and have a good time, even if the score is not going your way. And that's very hard to do. It's pretty rare. Because I got no reason to be upset. I'm on a 57-year roll. You know, you think about this. I am, listen, you know, and, I, and I'm not one of those sentimental type people who, like, I really mean this sincerely, man. I'm the luckiest dude in the world. You know, I'm from a small town in Alabama. Uh, grew up with a single mom with three brothers and, and grew up in the projects. And I was blessed to go to a great college, Auburn. Then 16 years in the NBA. And now 20 years on television. I might go my whole life and never work. I mean, you know, listen, you know, you've been in the business probably longer than me. There's nothing like sports. I mean, we get paid to watch the greatest athletes in the world perform. And I get to watch, you know, going back, I got to watch the great Kobe Bryant. Uh, you know, I get to watch the great LeBron James. And I get paid to do it. I'd watch anyway. So when I get downtime, I'm just slapping a ball around. And first of all, I ain't going to get on, on your podcast and lie to you. There are some libations flowing. <laughs> uh, you know, there are some cigars going. And 
I am cool with that. Like, I don't worry. Like, would I love to play better? A hundred percent. But like, you know, I, I got this joke that I always used that's really, really funny. Well, because I said, I said, you know, people always make fun of my golf game. I said, yeah, but you know where they making it from? At work. <laughs> you know? <laughs> hey, all these people... They're making fun of my golf game, but you know what they make it? They're making it from work. They're sitting I'm at a desk there. somewhere, right? <laughs> yeah. I said, they're at a desk and they working for somebody. They're going to be there eight lousy hours. I'm going to be on the golf course for four hours with some of my friends. And I've been blessed. One thing about being in limelight, I play with the greatest players ever. You know, I play with Tiger a lot. I played with Phil Mickelson a lot. You know, I just ate on my bucket list about a month ago. I got a chance to play with Gary Player. Mm. It was one of the greatest days of my life. He's somebody I've always admired and respected. And he had heard that I wanted to meet him. And we just happened to be in the same city together. And the golf process, he said, yeah, I heard you want to meet Mr. Player. I said, I've always wanted to meet him. He says, well, he wants to play golf with you. I said, when I got to be there? I said, he said, tomorrow. I said, I'll be there. I, I don't care what I got planned. And you know, Chris, when you meet somebody and they're just as awesome as you thought they were going to be, uh, it was so cool for me. Uh, so, like I say, I'm always in a good mood, man. I ain't got no reason to be upset. Well, uh, because your, your I, gratitude like, have, is so authentic. I have outlived all my expectations uh, growing up in a small town in Alabama growing up to be Charles Barkley and never having a real job, I'm always in a good mood. Your gratitude is so authentic, and that's what makes it so beautiful. But plenty of people have an outlook on life that's healthy like that, but suddenly they shank a ball and it all goes out the window. The golf course is the place where some people forget how good they have it. Play, you, you play with plenty of successful people. They got no reason to be upset about what direction a white ball goes, but there's just something about the experience that makes people crazy. I, I, I don't have a strong temper in real life, but I've thrown a golf club. I felt like throwing all the golf clubs in the water. So how do you keep from, you know, losing your shit out there when, you know, it's so many people around you are doing it. Well, you know, Payne Stewart, the late great Payne Stewart said something to me one time at the Olympic, we were playing in Barcelona, Spain back in 92. And I was getting mad. He says, hey, you're not good enough to get mad. I'm like, what? He says, you're not good enough to get mad. He says, I can get mad. I do this for a living. You're just out here having fun. And I'm starting thinking about that. Like, unless it's your real job. And see, the one thing I love about, like, I'm not going out with anybody. I'm not going out with random strangers. Like, I'm playing with other jocks who are, most of the time, like when I play with a pro, it's a little bit different. But most of the time, I'm playing with old has-been jocks. <laughs> and all we talk about is the good old days. And we always have to say, the older I get, the better I was. <laughs> I mean, so, like I say, I always, like I'm playing with old retired jocks. And we all won in life to, 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 to jump on Charlie Sheen. We won. We're winning. I mean, so... Uh, you know, it's been like, I don't go crazy. Would I like to play better? Of course. But like, you know, living in Arizona is a little bit different because you have to drive a car. 
it's it's uh it's target golf. But when I live in Philadelphia during the summer, that to me is the epitome of what golf is. You're out there, those big old trees, and you're like, man, this is pretty damn good. I'm and I love to walk when I play. Yeah. But you're out there and you're like, wow, this is pretty awesome. That like all these people are working and they got stressful lives and you're out here smoking cigars and drinking a little bit and you're like, it's pretty cool. No, for me, being in nature is that's my church. And so I try to remember that back when I played, I'm, I'm semi-retired and nobody's asked me to come out of retirement because that's how bad I am. But when I was playing a little bit, I was fully aware of the nature, the trees. I would take it all in. I would try to focus on that. If the score wouldn't go my way, I could at least tell myself, you're outside. It's a beautiful place around you. Focus on that. And that would, that would sometimes get me through. Because I had no right to be mad about anything because I have no skills in golf. And I was able to kind of overcome my temper by reminding myself, you're surrounded by beauty. Just chill. A lot of people would like to be right here. Yeah, but also... You know, I'm around, because like I said, people say, what's the mo- the one thing you miss the most about playing? I said, well, the first thing is to check. Let's, don't get, <laughs> let's get that out the way. The check is always good. But just being around the guys, cracking jokes, giving each other shit, that's the best thing about sports. Yeah, the money's <laughs> great. The fame is great. But when you're on a plane or a train, or a bus, whether like well, we, we, we bust to DC, uh, we bust to New Jersey, we took a train to play the Knicks, or you, you, you get on one of those five hour flights when you're going from Philly to LA, and y'all are giving each other so much crap. That's all you miss. And the only way to do that now, I mean, cause they like we can go out. Hey, listen, you tell the guys, uh, you talk to any job, you don't play basketball once you retire. You don't mm. play football once you retire. You don't play baseball once you retire. So unless you get together with the guys and play golf, or you happen to be in the same city, which doesn't happen that often, because very few people live in the city they played in. Now, a lot of them go back home mm-hmm. where they grew up to be around family and friends when they retire. So when you, but the only time you get to give each other a lot of shit and have a blast is when you're on the golf course. That's a part of it. I mean, you know, you can give shit with the best of them. I know you can take it. You don't have a glass jaw or you'd have retired a long time ago, right? So yeah. when these guys are going at you, did anybody ever get in your head and actually just do what they were trying to do, which is totally take you out of it? Your game falls apart? Or or, or you always been resilient when the when the shit starts flying? No, you got to be resilient. Listen, it has nothing to do with golf, to be honest with you. If you play on a team, every day is warfare. <laughs> the, the, the locker room every day. I mean, you think about it. You see, I tell people, you see these guys more than you see your family. I mean, you see these guys. I tell people in the NBA, you know, you practice every day or you're on a plane, train, or bus. And... All you do is give each other a hard time. 
Well, you I see mean, people at their best and at their worst, right? You're, you're running the whole spectrum with these guys. You're living the highs and the lows, and you, you know all their weaknesses, and you know what, what, what their great points are. Yeah, and you know, you know what gets their goat. Uh, uh, and listen, and a lot of times, you know, when, you haven't, when somebody's had a bad game, it's up to you guys to pump them up. That's actually what all the laughing and the joking. Like, first of all, if you win, it's an easy train or plane or, you know, whatever. But when you play like shit or a player played like shit, that's what your brothers are for. Hmm. I mean, that, like, that's what, like, if a guy is sitting back there like, no, 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 you can't sit back there by yourself. We lost as a team. No, you're not going to sit back and you had a bad game. No, no. So, so that, to me, is the essence of sports. Yeah, everybody loves you and pats you on the back when things are going good. I don't need friends and teammates then. But when I have a shitty game, that's what I mean, because I already feel bad because you let the guys down. But that's when I really need those guys like, yo. And that's the number one thing I learned from Dr. J. He's like, Charles, when you're the star on a team, you got to keep everybody up. Mm-hmm. He says, your job, your job ain't just to go out there and play great. He said, that's your first responsibility to play great. But your second responsibility is to make sure, number one, those other guys feel important. Yeah. Because, unfortunately, you get all the credit and you get all the blame. So when you're getting all the credit, you really have to make those guys let them know you appreciate them because listen, there's always a little bit of jealousy. Uh, they like Charles get all the credit. Dr. J get all the credit. Charles gets all the money. Dr. J gets all the money. It's like a guy who plays with LeBron when he played in Cleveland. They're like, man, everybody talks about LeBron all the time. So it's a double-edged sword. You have to really go out of your way to make sure those guys feel a part of you. Well, I know when you're on the golf course, you do that because you're considered the most fun guy to play with. But are you saying all this team sport crap that you took makes you totally immune in your current sport? Like there's nothing anybody can say when you're lining up a tee shot or there's a big money putt or it's coming down to it. There's nothing that anybody can say that's going to take you out of your enjoyment or rock your world or affect your game at this point. No, but some of the greatest lines I've ever heard are on the golf course. You know, when a guy says, uh, if a guy hits a shot, he hits a skinny. He says, oh, that's like Chuck skinny. Then everybody in the group laughs. <laughs> or you playing with a guy, he is really, really fat. And you say something, oh, just like your wife, she's fat. I mean, I mean, the way we ride each other, and if you hit a ball, if you dribble it off the tee, I mean, it's so much stuff, like, actually, first of all, I can't lie, most of the stuff we can't even say. Yeah. I mean, people are so politically correct nowadays. I mean, and that's really unfortunate, you know, uh, in a way, because I'm a firm believer in which it don't matter what I believe. It's just the way it works now. I think intent matters. I do. I think intent matters. But unfortunately, in our business today, intent don't matter. Like, there's stuff that I would I, – listen, there's no doubt in my mind if we put a microphone in the locker room, everybody will be suspended or fired all the time. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, times have changed. 
and stuff that you say in the locker room that used to be funny or used to be a joke, like, man, you're going to get fired or suspended if you say it today. And like I say, I'm not sure that's always a good thing because you should, listen, uh, you should be able to have fun. But nowadays, man, you have to be really careful what you say uh, because times have changed. And I don't think it's for the better. Well, the context is hard to explain after the fact. The people don't want to hear about the context. But what you're saying is on the golf course, it's an oasis from all that. What, what happens out there, it's kind of like a safe haven. You can be non-politically correct. You can break anybody's balls in any kind of way. And it's, it's understood that in that environment, that's okay. A hundred percent. And that's why you have to, and that's why you have to be careful who you play with. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, you have to be really careful who you, if you play ever, with. At the end of a round, did you ever say, wait a minute, I, some stuff just happened out there over the last four hours. I don't know if I want that stuff shared. I better go tell him, listen, we're, all this was off the record. You understand that? Oh, right? no, no. First of all, I'm not playing with no reporters. I'm only playing with my friends. Well, I don't mean reporters, but I mean off the I mean off the record in terms of they don't they yeah, don't want yeah. them to share uh, that story. First of all, uh, and you've heard that saying before, because I've had friends of mine got screwed. They're like, "Well, I told a guy that was off the record." I'm like, "Nah, man, it doesn't work like that." And unfortunately, in this society we live in today, so many people or reporters are trying to get clickbait. There is nothing. That's off record now. Hmm. I mean, times have changed so much. And listen, you know, I don't believe in doing social media. I think it's one of the worst things that ever happened to the world uh, because I think it gives everybody the right. You know, because what one thing that bothers me, sports are the only job in the whole world that we let every jackass in the world have an opinion. <laughs> I mean. Sports, think about it. Sports, you can call into a radio show right now, anywhere in the country, and you can, and no, listen, no, no disrespect, you can be a nurse, a plumber, an electrician, a lawyer, or anybody, and you get to say, Lamar Jackson sucks. You get to say, Nick Foles sucks, or Charles Barkley, or Chris Fowler sucks. There's no other job in the world that we give you that platform that voice your opinion only in sports. That's how crazy this whole thing is. There's no other, you can't call to the doctor's office and say, hey, I wanted to talk to the doctor. He sucks and put it on the internet or call into a radio show. That's the most interesting aspect of sports to me. But you don't seem too bothered by people saying that stuff about you because you have put yourself out there. You put yourself out there, period, talking about heavy issues, talking about basketball, but even putting yourself on the golf course where you know that you don't have a classic swing and a classic game and people are going to make fun of you. And you you just, you could care less like what anybody says or thinks about you, which I think is what's what draws a lot of people to you. Well, you know, because you never give them fools that power. Okay, you don't like me. That's fine. I'm not going to give you a platform where I do social media and going to read about it. Anybody who thinks everybody like them is just an idiot. And it's, it's so funny. You know, I've known guys like yourself. I've known, I mean, cause we all travel in the same circles. And I got friends in the business going back to Vern and Gary, uh, uh, you know, guys like that. I've had dinner with them and Joe Buck and guys like that. And they're telling me like people actually 
think we care who wins. Like when I'm in Alabama, they're like, I hate Gary and Byrne. I'm like, why do you hate Gary and Byrne? They're, uh, I said, they're two of the nicest guys in the world. First of all, if you don't like Byrne, you got something wrong with you. Yeah. Uh, it's about Byrne Lindquist. They're like, yeah. well, they hate Alabama and Auburn. I said, really? Really? Are you serious? I said, you guys are just idiots. I said, I know Byrne pretty well. I don't know Gary that well, but they're two great guys. But let me tell you something. They don't care who wins. <laughs> Nobody cares who wins. But fans think that because they hear what they want to hear. It's like Ernie was doing baseball one year, and I went to the playoffs, and the people in, in, um, in Philly uh, are booing Ernie. I'm like, why are they booing Ernie? They're like, they think he don't like the Phillies. I said, first of all, if you booing Ernie Johnson, you're just an asshole. I said, Ernie Johnson's the nicest person in the world. But this notion that Ernie cares who wins, so you have to learn as you go, like, man, I don't care who wins these games. You know what I want? I want the season to be over so I can get to my vacation. That's <laughs> what I want more than anything. I want the season to be over. Ernest going to ask me who's going to win. I have to pick somebody, but I don't care who wins. But it always makes me laugh. Like, people care. They announce they think, like, well, that guy doesn't like my team. That guy doesn't like my school. I'm like, God, please stop. Please stop. Nobody like cares who wins these events. So I kind of figured that, like, okay, if you don't like my announcement, that's fine. I kind of get into it. I'm trying to defend myself. I've had this conversation with Joe Buck, who's fantastic. I'm like, you know, he's like, what do you do? I do, you do, you're one of the best to ever do it. This notion that you care who wins is just asinine. You're just doing your job. But fans, they like, oh, I hear this. No, no, he didn't say that. But that's what you want to hear. No, I know, uh, so, but we, we, we've talked about this. Because you, you share all of the college football. The passion of the fans is one of the engines that makes this thing work. So I understand they view it through a lens. I understand they're going to hear what they want to hear and that their opinion is going to be colored by that. And they think everybody's biased. You, you do a game, you got fans from both sides saying, you are obviously biased against us. I could hear it. Other team fans say the same thing. You know you're doing a good job when you're when you're doing that, but I, yeah, that that's not something you can worry about. And I, you, yeah, yeah, because I've actually I go to the Iron Bowl every year, my favorite sporting event, other than the Olympics, and I can see be sitting with Alabama and Auburn fans, and they both said those announcers hate both of us. I'm like, you guys are just idiots. But it, it goes <laughs> back like you've been in the business forever. I've been in it for 20 years, and like guys. We all know each other. We don't care who wins. We're throwing the stats out there. Your defense sucks. We got to, We can't get on TV and say your defense is good. Well, if we say your defense sucks and they suck, that don't mean we dislike your team. Uh, but you're right. They hear what they want to hear. And it's funny, though. Uh, it's funny. I always tell people, fans want to hear two things. My favorite player is great, and my team is great. If you don't say those two things, you're screwed with that fan base. <laughs> <laughs> I tell people, my favorite player, you better tell me he's great, and you better tell me my team is good. That's like when I'm in New York, where you're at right now. It, it, it's always fun to go there because the Knicks fans are amazing. <laughs> Every year you go there, they're like, you hate the Knicks. You hate the Knicks. I'm like, what are you talking about? You said they suck every year. I said, that's because they suck every year. <laughs> and I said, wait a minute. Why 
I am I a Knicks hater if y'all suck every year? And I see y'all suck every year. Why does that make me a hater? But every time I go there, they run up at me on the street and say the exact same thing. You hate the Knicks. And but I you, said, guys. You, you got credibility, though. So you, yeah, I know. But it makes you laugh. But, but you were a great player, so you can comment on that. I mean, when you watch golf, you, you don't look there. You, do you feel the license to criticize a player uh, who, who, who played badly or choked or whatever? I, you don't really publicly talk about that because you weren't at that level, right? I mean, you, I would that, never do that. Yeah, I would never do that. Uh, for, for, for the simple fact, that's one thing. One thing that I hate about guys on television, it drives me crazy on television. When these guys, listen, some of them are my friends too. Uh, and it drives me crazy. When they get on TV, number one, they never play sports. But they'll say, that quarterback sucks. That pitcher sucks. Uh, he's not a good wide receiver. Oh, he's not a good hockey player. I'm like, are you kidding me, really? Did you really? And, I say, uh, and I said, so I only stick to, I always stick to basketball. I never talk about other sports. Like, I, I'll ask a guy in the NFL about somebody privately mm. or ask a guy about a baseball player privately, but I'm never going to get on TV and say, oh, that guy's not a good quarterback. Oh, uh, you, know, uh, you know, he's not a good pitcher. I, I just don't like that because, number one, anybody who make it to the pros is a good player. Are they all Kevin Durant and LeBron and Giannis? No. But the number 10, 11, and 12 player on the NBA team is a pretty good player. You know, you mentioned, fortunately, my success would have nothing to do with any athletic ability or playing sports because I was I was very mediocre athlete at everything. But I'm really inept at golf. And you, you are responsible partly. I'll take most of the blame. You are partly responsible for the most embarrassing athletic event in the history. Do you, do you know where I'm going with this? I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell the story. But... You played a large part in, in my low point as an athlete among all the low points. You know what I'm talking about? No. <laughs> Jimmy V Celebrity Golf Classic. For the folks who don't know, you have these you have these charity events, okay? And guys like Charles, Jordan was there, Shishkevsky was there. And then you find out who you're going to play with. And so they get a chance to play with Charles. These guys who donated a lot of money to the cause of fighting cancer. It's a tremendous event in, in Jimmy V's name. They're excited. I get to play with Charles, Coach K, Michael. They get to play with me. Not as excited. Not as excited. But they try to put on a brave face. We're going to have a good time. So I know they're not that, that pumped to play with me, and I'm not very good. So I just got to be a nice guy. So we're out there playing the Jimmy V Classic. I've got my very modest-sized gallery. First of all, I'm not good, so I get nervous. I just try not to hit somebody with the ball. That, for me, is like what makes me nervous, is that these celebrity things just don't hit somebody with the ball. And so I'm out there worrying about all that stuff, and I see your group, massive gallery following you, and your green <laughs> is near our tee box. You're laughing because you know what's coming. So all of a sudden, you, you putt out, and you get the idea, I guess, to bring your entire group over to my tee box. What made you want to do that? <laughs> well, you know, I'm just trying to have fun, man. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know Chris, let me tell you something. Number one, especially something like that, when you raise all that money, that's all that matters. Sure. Like, and first of all, let me give you a little piece of advice. 
Once you hit like the first 10 people, it just becomes old hat. <laughs> You've hey, not hit 10 people. You've hit 10 people on a golf course? I knocked the hell out of many people. It's just like, <laughs> hey, it's just like brushing your teeth. It just, just do it every day. Like the first few times, well, listen, I will agree with you. The first time you hit somebody is nerve-wracking. The second or third time, they should know better to get their ass <laughs> out the way. Well, they didn't know better for me. So I, I'm over here and I'm, you know, I haven't hit a horrendous tee shot, but there's nothing to write home by. All of a sudden, here comes Charles. Here comes hundreds of people, hundreds of people crowd around the tee box. You start giving me shit. I don't remember what you said, but you did a good job of getting in my head, which wasn't very difficult because I had no confidence. And so I'm, I'm over the ball and I'm thinking like, all right, don't miss. First of all, don't swing and miss. But I did like the next worst thing. I closed the club place. I sculled it. It went like a foot off the ground over here to the left. You fell down on the ground. Your gallery falls down on the ground. Everybody has my groups mortified. My gr- Oh, my God. Our guy here just choked once in a lifetime choke. You guys had good fun. And I know walking away, like, it's going to be a long round with my guys for the rest of it because they're going to be un- afraid to say something. They're going to try to, and I got to play it off. I got to laugh. You're dying inside, but I got to laugh. And I know that everybody that you brought over there, their takeaway from the Jimmy Vucos Fowler choked the worst, the worst golf shot I've ever seen. And they go out and spread the word about that. So thanks. Hey, thanks for bringing your gallery over and making me choke. We've all choked, <laughs> but Hey, I think you recovered pretty good. You've had a good run. <laughs> But not at golf, man. I tell you, I, I, I just, I'm going to get back into it because living in Miami, you have too many opportunities. But I, I just, you know, I, I don't know how five hours out there. It's a, just, it's a long time to not have fun. So I, I, I need, we got to play together. You got to get, get back, put the fun back in it. Because everybody that plays golf with you comes away saying, he's the most fun. Nobody ever has a bad round playing with you. So... Well, you, but you, first of all, the first thing you need to do is just take some lessons. That's probably the biggest mistake I made from the beginning is not taking lessons. And first of all, you got the right, you're the right height for golf. <laughs> I got one thing. I got, I got the right height. <laughs> hey, no, listen, one thing that pisses me off about golf, they're all between 5'7 and 5'9, 5'10. Like D- DJ, Phil, Ernie, you can name the guys that are over six feet tall. That's like when I used to play with Tiger, people be like, yo, man, how tall is Tiger? Like 6'1", six, 6'2"? Six, I says, you're like 5'10". They're like, why he looks so much taller than those other guys? I caught the rest of them like 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, and he looks taller because he's slender. But Tiger's only like 5'10". But like I say, I've only played with three or four guys in 30 years that's over six feet tall. I mean, the first time I got mean, paid, But not non-basketball players. You, you play with plenty of teammates. Players. Yeah, you play. I, mean, I know you used pro, to play with like. Uh, pro golfers. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I know. So, that. Yeah, so I'm playing for the Suns. And one of our dancers' name is Amy. And she was awesome. She was sweet. And we see each other. She's like, so when she gets to know me a little bit, she's like, hey, I'd like you to play golf with my boyfriend one day. And I'm like, okay, yeah, okay, whatever. And I'm like, hey, 
okay, this goes on for a, a few months. And she's like, are you ever going to play golf with my boyfriend? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll play with him sometime. And finally, after about three or four months, she says, Charles, are you ever going to play golf with my boyfriend? I said, you know what? Yeah, Amy, because you're the sweetest girl. You're awesome. She's one of our dancers. Are you sweet? She says, and I said, what's his name? He said, Phil Mickelson. I said, what? I said, what? I said, wait, your boyfriend is Phil Mickelson? She says, yeah. I said, Amy, you should have started that conversation like three months ago telling me his last name. I said, it would be an honor and privilege to play with Phil Mickelson. I said, you just told me his first name. I thought he was just some random old dude. <laughs> just yeah, Phil so, from Phoenix, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so, like uh, that's exactly right. Like like one of those calling shows. Hey, it's Phil from Phoenix. Hey, so after about four months, she says, "Yo, you got to play with my boyfriend, Phil Mickelson." I'm like, "What?" I say, "Amy, I know who Phil Mickelson is. I'm a golf junkie." I said, "You've been? T I thought it was some random dude named Phil. If you had told me Phil Mickelson, I'd play golf when I first got traded here." He's awesome. Did you do you yeah, elevate your I, game I, when you play I, with those guys? Do you play better or worse? All the time. What'd you, you say? Play, do you play better or worse when you play with a, a golf legend like like it's, Phil it's, or Tiger? It's it's, 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 it's very nerve wracking. Yep. And well, there's Phil, Tiger. I played last week with Bob Tway and Willie Wood, guys who are terrific players on the senior tour, and I was nervous. Um, you know, I talked to Grant Hill. He lives down there with Adam Scott and Justin Rose. And he was saying, we were talking about it. He's like, you know, man, I can barely take the club back. I do. I'm playing with 100 pros. And every time I play with one, I'm just as nervous as I was playing with them the first time. It's the weirdest thing. So that goes back to your point earlier. You talked about the Jimmy V. Hey, every listen. I say, I'm 57 years old now, and I'm playing with 100 pros. But every time I play with a great player, like even when I played with Gary Player recently, I could barely take that thing back. I mean, I was so nervous, uh, but it was awesome. But, but, the, but see, it just goes to show you, though, when you watch a pro play, it's something special. When you watch a real pro, mm. it's beautiful to watch. Uh, and I enjoy it. Even though I get nervous, I really enjoy it. Yeah, I played with Ricky Fowler. We we joke, but he's, he's not a distant cousin, but I know what you're saying. You, is it only golf pros that makes you nervous? Because you play with a lot of famous people. I don't, I don't know if you play with presidents, but certainly actors and all kinds of super successful people. That doesn't freak you out? It's just the guys who are at the top of the game of golf? No, I think, in it, uh, I think the key to me is the gallery. Like, when there's people standing, when because I, I I get a good gallery, especially like in Lake Tahoe, to me that's when it's nerve wracking when I got a gallery, and I, I was joking with you earlier about once you hit a few people it becomes normal. Nah, every time you play in front of crowds, and they're standing right there, uh, it, it's it's nerve wracking. Uh, you just don't want to hit anybody because it's scary when you hit somebody. Because, I, I, see, I'd hate to hit somebody for real. I mean, like, real serious. Hmm. But it's still very nerve-wracking uh, when there's a gallery. That's when I probably get the most nervous. Now, 
how come for so many people? I never, I'm not competitive in this way. I, I'm happy to play around without gambling, without money on the line. But it's such a huge part of every round for a lot of people. Your teammates, ex-guys on the Suns, used to talk about you know, Dan Marley, Thunder Dan, and Joe Klein. Talk about they called you ATM because you were just it was just money withdrawal time when they played with Charles. I know they, that's the kind of things they give you crap for. But yeah. is that a part of a Charles Barkley round all the time? The give and the take and having a little something on the line and make it interesting. Yeah, but but the key is number one. Uh, number one, I, I just like to gamble. Number one, let's get that out the way. I think we know. I, I just that. love. I love to gamble, but I think it's just fun. The, the key though is you have to bet within your means. Like you have to know that you suck at golf, and you can't be betting like let's just play a thousand dollars a hole because you're probably gonna lose a lot of holes. But to play for twenty, twenty-five dollars a hole, maybe listen. Even if you play a hundred dollars a hole, that's only eighteen hundred dollars. If you if by happenstance you lost every hole, but I think it makes you compete better. I think it makes you concentrate better. Uh, so I like to put a little cash uh, on the line. I, I think that just, first of all, I just think it makes it more fun and entertaining because when you get money from a friend, there's no better feeling, none. <laughs> like, you like, even if you beat them by the score, that's not the same as when you get some money from a friend. There's nothing better than that. But they would always joke that even if the odds were against you, you know you're playing against better players. You know you're likely to lose money if you're playing stroke play. You didn't want that handicap. You didn't want that advantage. You always backed yourself. You always believed in yourself, even though you were the huge underdog going into this golf match. Well, that goes back to what I was saying earlier. You, first of all, I bet. I, I bet on my golf like I'm Charles Barkley, the basketball player. I got supreme <laughs> confidence. That's one of the keys. You have to learn, as I've gotten older, I'm getting my shots now. At the time, I was Charles Barkley, the basketball player, so I have supreme confidence in myself. Unfortunately, it doesn't translate. You can think you're a hell of a basketball player. That does not translate into being a hell of a golfer. So, listen. I'm taking my strokes now. My ego's gone. My ego's way gone out of every pound that I got. <laughs> my ego is less and less. That's part of maturing, man. You mentioned basketball players. You know, a lot of ex-hockey players, baseball players, because there's the connection with the golf club to the hockey stick of the baseball bat, find it more of a natural thing. A lot of tennis players, a sport I cover, are pretty good golfers. Now, basketball doesn't seem to have the same translation of skills, as you point out, it's not an advantage to be taller. So there aren't as many excellent golfers who are former basketball players. Who, who are the guys who are, who are, who's on the all-star team for that? And maybe even like active players. I know Steph Curry is a pretty good golfer. Who do you think the best active NBA players and the best past NBA greats in terms of golf? Well, Steph Curry is probably the best NBA player today on the golf course. Uh, you got Ray Allen. He's really good. Bill Lambeer was really great. Uh, I haven't seen Bill in a long time, but Bill was really, really At 6'10", huh? Wow, that's impressive. Oh, yeah. But he's one of those guys who grew up in the country club, so he's been playing probably the longest. Right. 
Uh, Michael is a good player, but he's streaky because he got a long, long swing. Uh, but he's really streaky because, listen, he's 6'6". So, like I say, the longer your swing is, the more room for error there is. Um, yeah, but I think Steph Curry, Dale Curry's pretty good also. But you go to these tournaments and you, you, know, you see these baseball players. I mean, it's obvious how that would translate. You know, if you can see, if you can hit something coming at you 100 miles an hour, you ought to be able to hit something on a tee that's still hockey, the same thing. So, you, you know, I feel like those guys have an edge. We get to, you go to Nevada and you play in the pro-ams and things like that. Yeah, I think the hockey players are the are perfect example. There are a lot of really good hockey players because of the slap shots and things like that. But the thing I've noticed is the baseball pitchers, they're terrific. I mean, they only work it one day. It seems like they're playing golf those other four days. So uh, I, I think if something – because you got to understand something like you got all that free time. Basketball, we probably had the less amount of free time because even when you're not – even when it's not basketball season, you're actually still playing basketball. Like you're playing during the summer pickup games. You're not going to play golf. I mean, I'd never touched a golf club. I was like 26, 27 years old. Yeah. I mean, and most of the guys, they didn't play golf like growing up. Because like I say, during the summer, all you do is play basketball. Yeah, it, it, take, it takes a long time. And I always get a little suspicious. If, if I see somebody, like a regular job person, who, who's good at golf, either they're very talented or they're just – spend a lot of time on a golf course. Job. I'm suspicious of that. How come, how come you can be that good when it takes four hours to play around at golf and you got a regular life, maybe you got a family, and yet you're still that good? You must be, you must be sneaking away and putting a whole lot of your energy on a golf course. If my college basketball coach is a good golfer, I know my team sucks. <laughs> I know my team sucks. And that's like my What about your lawyer? What about your, what about your, yeah, your, what about the guy handling your money? <laughs> Yeah, if my if my financial advisor is good at golf, I I want another one. <laughs> He's spending too much time on the golf course. Yeah, listen, I, listen, I and I'm saying this as a joke, but I'm kind of being serious. I think you can only be really, really good at one thing in life. Like, if you're a great basketball player, you can be a good golfer, but you can't be a great like you can't play on the tour. Uh. Uh, I don't want anybody who's great at something to be like, oh, his second thing. Cause you but your your fellow Auburn guy, golf, it like, takes a long time. What about Bo Jackson? You 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 can be an athlete in two sports. You mean you don't think like Bo Jackson was a great football player, and some would say a great baseball player. Um, I hear what you're saying, but he's not really a regular person. You know, that's, yeah, like that's Jim Brown. You know, uh, listen, listen. One of the great joys of my life was going to college with Bo Jackson. Uh, I tell people this. Watching that man play football and baseball in college was one of the greatest things in my life. Uh, to get to see that every weekend hmm. up close and personal. We stayed in the st same dorm. Uh, I consider him a great friend of mine, but to see, you see, Bo was unique. Can, can Bo I, golf, by the way? Uh, he can. He doesn't like golf. Bo wants uh, to hunt. Uh, Bo wants to hunt 
uh, he we played golf a few times. He would prefer to hunt. You could fit. You like to fish. You could fish with him, I suppose, right? You're a big fisherman as well. I love the fish. I mean, you know, you talk about golf. I mean, golf and fish are the only two things you can do when you get old. I mean, that's the only two <laughs> things you can do. And I love doing both of them. But, you know, Carmelo and Bo are people who hunt more than anything in the world. I've never been hunting, and I never have the inclination to go hunting, to be honest with you. But those two guys, man, they just want to hunt every day. I don't have the patience or, or probably even the talent. I'd be scared to walk around with a gun. Bo's a bow and arrow guy, which is even more impressive than a gun. But I just have never had the patience. I mean, first of all, who wants to get up early in the morning and go live in the woods? That's just stupid. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to do that. I got friends who hunt. They, like, leave, like, Three or four in the morning, they can get to that, I don't forget what they call that little bunk house thing, and they just wait for deer to walk by. Who wants to do something stupid? Yeah, like in that? the hide there. Yeah, well, fishing takes patience. Golf takes patience. I mean, these are things that are not exactly unfolding at rocket speed, man. I mean, you, you have to have patience, I think, to be successful and enjoy both of those things. Well, I think the fishing is just, for me, though, they're just a way to get away. Like, first of all, I'm always with my friend. Like I say, I'm not going to go out and meet three random strangers on the golf course and go play with them. Because, number one, I told you, probably half the stuff I'd be saying would be inappropriate, hmm. uh, number one. But uh, I, I just – I want to I wanna have fun with my friends. And these guys have something in common with me. Like, like if me and you play together, I say – uh, on one hole, like, who's the best player you ever seen, Chris, play in person? Uh, then I say, like, a few holes later, what's the best sporting event you ever covered? I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. Like, when I'm playing with Seth Joyner, who's a great friend of mine, I said, man, who's the best running back you had to tackle? And then I'd say, like, a couple, like, who's the best player? He like, best player you play with? He said, you know, like, Reggie White was, like, like, so I love picking my friend's brains. Like, I got a great friend, Roy Green. He is like, well, we'll be watching football. He says, man, we'll be talking. He says, man, that reminds me of uh, Lawrence Taylor. I says, well, what does that mean? He says, well, Lawrence Taylor is the only reason, before Lawrence Taylor came into the league, no running back ever chipped. He says, the one man can't block, one guy couldn't block Lawrence Taylor. He says, hey, running back, hit him a little bit. Then they, then they start calling to chip. The, the, the tight end used to always go out and catch balls. They're like, no, 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 no. No guy can block this dude. Hey, hey, have, have the uh, tight end stay in and block Lawrence Taylor. I mean, stuff like that, just like, are you serious? He said, yeah. Lawrence Taylor made everybody change that. So these, these are these are great golf. These are golf course conversations, though, right? You're having these great talks in between hitting the shot. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. I mean, and, and do I ask him like, well, who who y'all like watching today? They're like, yo, man, that dude, Aaron Donald, Khalil Mack, like those Bosa brothers. Hey, I don't know what the Bosa family did, man, but the Bosa did it right. <laughs> I got to get them Bosa boys some credit. I don't know what mom and dad Bosa were doing. But whatever they did, they, they they got a little generation, a little soldiers. So you 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 like you like the pass rushers. That's where your eye goes to the pass rushers. To answer your question, since we might not play golf, Barry Sanders, best player I ever saw in person, 
and my favorite events, it's a tie between the Rose Bowl and Wimbledon finals. So those are, those, those are the answers. But I love the fact that you have these rounds of golf and it becomes like a, like a freewheeling kind of off-the-record, non-PC talk show where you're just throwing opinions out there and hearing stories. Because I, I, like, I, I want to know who's great in other sports. I really do. You know, uh, you know, like when I, a, a few years ago, it was on my bucket list to go to Wimbledon. I went over there and got a chance to see Roger Federer and uh, Serena play. Mm. I'm like, okay, I'm good. I, like, I've been to Wimbledon one time in my life. I sued two of the greatest to ever do it. I'm cool with that. But, like, I want to know, like, one of my football friends, Tim, who's great today. Because sometimes they'll say stuff to me, like, I said, what happened then? They're like, this fool ran the wrong route. You know, somebody at home like, why that quarterback keep throwing interceptions? And they'll tell me like, no, nah, man, that's not what happened. That was a hot read. The wide receiver screwed that up. Or he ran the wrong route. Like, I, I think that stuff is invaluable. I mean, like, and I love when guys get on TV, they're like, oh, that's not on the quarterback. I know he threw the interception, but the guy ran the wrong route. Uh, even, even when I was watching the game last night, he said, no, the guy didn't run the right route. That he, that ball, Brian Greaser said he should have threw that ball to somebody else. He says he, he, he made up his mind in advance. He didn't read to read. And so I, I love learning about every other sport. I don't want to be one of those dumb fans like, yo, man, why does quarterback keep throwing interceptions? Like, no, it wasn't the quarterback's fault. You uh, were the original guest picker on College Game Day. You go to you go to a Knoxville, Tennessee, to represent Auburn. We had never had a, anybody come on the show as a guest and pick games. You out there with the jersey on. Those were that was a really good um, uh, Auburn team, and you predicted they would put a foot up Tennessee's ass that day, and they, they actually went out and pretty pretty much did that. Um, they had Ronnie well, Brown. They had the, you know when the, I, so what, you know I noticed some stuff when I go to games. I look at the players' bodies. So when I was down there looking at the players before the game, I'm like, man, Auburn twice as big as these little dudes Tennessee got. <laughs> and I, like, what I, Coach Saban has uh, had me speak to his team, I think, like three times. And, man, they might have the best weight coach. He's gone to Georgia now. Yep. But, man, they, like, I tell people, man, big and strong is tough to beat. And when I was walking on that field beforehand, I'm like, I'm going to kill these little dudes. These Tennessee players, I said, hey, that's a train coming. They better get off the track. I remember what I said. <laughs> and I'm saying, like, nah, Tennessee, I know they're playing at home, but these little dudes ain't going to be able to stop running Brown and Cadillac and those guys. they just going to run over them. Then they just blitzed them. They did. That was, that was a memorable night. You, you made the bold call. Vols fans didn't like it, but there's nothing they could say when Auburn went ahead and did what you said they were going to do. Hey, before we go here, so you talked about the great conversations during a round of golf, the, 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 the company. It's a tough question, but was there a round for you that sticks out above all the others where everything was just perfect, how you were playing, where you were, who you were with, maybe you won money at the end. All of it just kind of came together. You said, this is the perfect round. It can't get any better than this. I think I shot 78 one time on a course in Kentucky and won celebrity tournament. That was probably the highlight for me personally. But to answer your question, 
I think Tiger's the greatest golfer who ever lived. I think no disrespect to Jack Nicklaus, who's an amazing person and great and a great golfer in his own right. But I think because of the competition, the equipment, I think the competition has just gotten better over the years. As you can see, like the reason to watch, the, you know, we won every Ryder Cup for a hundred years, and now it's like a toss-up because they just got better players in other countries and better equipment. And when I played with Tiger, it was always an honor and a privilege. Um, same thing with Phil, but to say that I played what, in my opinion, is the greatest golfer ever, it was pretty surreal. Uh, and I told, I told people, I said, guys, I don't play with a lot of people, but I saw some stuff today that I ain't never seen before. I says, his ball makes a different sound when it comes off the club face. And I said, and this before he, he I don't even think he had won a major at the time. That's how far this go back. And I'm like, this is this dude here. I, I, like I say, and I played with Phil quite a bit, Tom Lehman, a bunch of pros in Phoenix. I'm playing a bunch of pro-am. But when I played with Tiger for the first few times, I was like, damn, this kid here is ridiculous. So that was probably uh, the coolest moment for me. And then obviously after he'd won a bunch of majors to play with him, uh, I was like, yeah, this is this is the, the Michael Jordan, the Wayne Gretzky. Like there are very few players who you're like, oh, they're the best of what they ever did. So I think Wayne Gretzky's like that. I think Michael was like that. No disrespect to Kobe or LeBron. Uh, or Jack Nicholas, but I think Tiger is, is the best I've ever seen, and it was an honor and a privilege to play with him. That's the beautiful thing about golf, though, right, Charles? You can't play hockey with Wayne Gretzky. You can't. You're not going to box with Ali. You can't be on a football field with with a Brady. You, you could you could get in a tennis court with Federer, but it wouldn't be the same. But you can play yeah. golf. You're doing your thing, and he's doing his A game right alongside you, and you get a chance to have that that ringside seat for that. That's really kind of unique to golf. That's a very cool thing. I know you realize how blessed you are to have all those experiences. And you probably sat around and talked with them afterward. Because the last thing I want to hit on is how people love to talk about golf almost as much as they love to play it. And I had a chance one time at the Jimmy V. You were there. Michael was there. Quinn Buckner was there. Digger. And I was just a fly on the wall taking this all in as you guys kind of went around and broke balls and told stories. The cigars were going. You mentioned the beverages. It was all happening. And I was thinking golf made it happen, but it's just a platform for guys to get together and and share those kind of moments. And I'm sure that after the rounds, you've had some, some of the most memorable times and and bonding friendships just where the round of golf sets it up and then boom, you have that guy's time. Well, that goes back to to what I was kind of, you know, talking about the, 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 our whole conversation, like, when you get together with these guys, and first of all, all you got is the old days. All you got is the old days. And I, we've been so lucky and blessed. I played against Michael Jordan in his prime. Um, you know, I played against Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, all those guys in their prime. And now, you know, when you get together with those guys, all you talk about is, the good old days and golf is the catalyst 
I mean, golf is one of the few sports. Well, let me rephrase it. Golf is the only sport you can play when you get older. Golf is the only sport. Like some guys might go out and try to play tennis, but golf, man, you can actually go out and have fun. Like I said, you can have a few beers. You can smoke some cigars. You can talk trash. <laughs> and then it's just like you away from stress. Uh, you know, there's nothing going on. You're like, you just have a window where you can just have fun. And then when it's over, hopefully you won some money and hit some good shots. Uh, golf is the only thing you can do that with. I mean, we can't go out and play basketball. A football player can't go out and play football. A baseball player, you know, great Roger Clemens can't go out and pitch right now. <laughs> you know, but you know what? When we get together, like that's like when I'm in Lake Tahoe, when Roger Clemens comes say hello to me, uh, Josh Allen. This year, this year it was uh, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. I played golf with those guys. I played golf with Emmett Smith. Like, not only do you get a chance to talk to those guys, but you get a chance to play golf with them. And you can't beat that. I will defend my tennis players. You can play tennis until you're old. You can have a lot of fun with it. You cannot drink beers and smoke cigars while playing tennis. So there's a major difference. <laughs> that doesn't work on a tennis court. Hey, man. Yeah, but let me tell you something. Hey. Old basketball players and football players don't want to be running around, though. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Golf is unique that way. Hey, man, you've been so generous with your time. This has been a blast, as I knew it would be. I love hearing your stories and your wisdom and your gratitude and all that stuff. And massive respect for what you do uh, at, at TNT. You guys, you guys are the gold standard, and we, I appreciate it. And, and you've almost inspired me to – unretired to get the Cubs back out and I'll, I'll, I need to work in the dark away from everything, get my game back together and then uh, and maybe unveil it and unretire. Cause it's been so much hey, fun let's talking do to it, you. Brother. Hey, I want to thank you for having me continue success. Uh, listen, if you ever need me again, just reach out and uh, thanks for having me. You're the best Charles. I appreciate it, man. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Charles is unique. I love the man. And you heard him. You heard him offer. So maybe we'll do this again sometime down the line. Well, we thought this would be a great way to end our first series of episodes. Really appreciate all the feedback. We're going to take a brief hiatus and then come back with more episodes on compelling topics with really fun, interesting guests. We'd appreciate it if you'd rate and review the podcast and, of course, subscribe. Many thanks to my co-executive producer, Jennifer Dempster, for her numerous invaluable contributions, and to our producer, Jason Weichelt. Stay well. We'll talk to you soon.